2: Have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be against you in a court of law. You have the right to an attorney prior to and during questioning. If you can't afford one, the court will point one for you. You understand your rights? were presented to me by the victims of the crime or the perpetrators who committed the crimes. My descriptions of the crime scenes are what I saw with my own two eyes. If you are going to get offended, turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Real Life Real crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton and Jim, the hitman Rathman is what he likes to call him. Y'all, um, we're on the private patron page that do so y'all can have some more access, uh, you know, bonus content for your patron members. And I, Cause we couldn't have run this investigation without you, but everybody else, you'll get to hear this tonight when it drops and we are. In person together,
1: mm-hmm. which, which I is, like.
2: which is it, nice. It's always nice. Right? A lot more of that to come in the future. Though. Right, that's right. We're just getting started, baby. But the um, I'll turn that off. <laughs> the so y'all were you know we're unscripted, we're raw. How can they be posting on there? They shouldn't they shouldn't be able to post? I don't think so. Hey, are y'all in the? Uh Michelle, y'all on the patron page or are we on the right page? I guess. So you. hit mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So anyway, I guess people can make a post on it, but it doesn't matter. you all patron members, but the everybody um, we're doing a hotline episode means where we're going to answer your questions to the best of our ability on Courtney's case. Um, and there's a lot of them. So, but uh, so we can't answer hundreds. Yeah, we can't answer everything naturally because of the sensitivity of investigation. Jim, what do we want to say about where we're at now? Um, What do you think we can um,
3: say? What I'll say is that we've gotten some very good information that we've been working around the clock on. Uh, so when we said it was hot uh, a few weeks ago. Um, it's a full inferno at this point. It's nuclear. Um yeah. but we're just going to keep pressing on because there's still a lot of work to do. There's still a lot of ground to cover. Still a lot of following up to do as well. Um I probably could work straight through for the next 72 hours on everything that I have without sleep and I still don't think I would be caught up with it. Uh but that's okay because that's what it takes and we're dedicated and that's what we do.
2: Yeah, let me tell you. But it's you, hot. tell you the give you an example. Um Jim and I, and right now Detective Bravely, we're calling each other at all hours of the night. Um, Jim was actually talking to a person, or has been what, many people, right? Many. Coming in off the tip line, right? Many. So we're talking to many different people, but I'll just preface it with this, how investigations roll in their fluid real time. The uh, he calls me the other night. I just gotten home, hadn't been home and forever thought I was going to get spend the night at home with my wife and kids. No. And Jim calls me. Love you, Cindy, but no. <laughs> Jim calls at like six something. My wife is cooking dinner and she comes in the room. She heard me on the phone and she looked at me. She said, you got to go. Huh? I said, yep. So I loaded up and went back to Alexandria in the middle of the night to get some juice. And I mean, it's y'all. You know,
3: it's the way it goes sometimes, though. Um, you don't know when certain information is going to come in and when you're going to find it, but when you have it, you got to jump on it. It's not something you can wait because you may not get that opportunity again. So luckily, Woody, being as uh, awesome as he is, had no problem um, taking off and doing I mean, what he had to do, and he ended up pulling an all-nighter because of
2: it. That's so. right. That's right. We all <laughs> ended up pulling He was cross-eyed by the next night, but, yeah, you know, real. hey, it's Beat. the way it went. But here's the deal. As far as the investigation goes, I don't want to say too much um, because we're at a really, really critical point right now. But I'm telling you, 1,000%, it is nuclear. It is oh, yeah. on fire. You bad guys and girls. Sugar it, is fixing to turn your shit. Yeah, your to sugar's shit. turning your shit. or you, You're fucked. Pardon my French, but you're fucked. And we're coming for you. And you're gonna know it real soon. So we, we can't say much more other than that. No, it's, than,
3: it's still it's still got a lot of groundwork to do, uh, but it's moving in the right direction.
2: A lot of groundwork to do.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know who you are, and we know who you are, and we're coming. But when we come, we're gonna come correct, and you're not gonna be able to get out of it. So that's nope. that's it. Uh, but that, by no means, lifers uh do not stop calling in your tips, no, and still need more info. everything else. you can never have too much impact mm-hmm. and guess what we still have to follow our other leads down, no matter okay. what they are and they come I in. I was following
3: them up since six this morning uh got here, and i was I was on the phone the entire drive, just uh returning phone calls and getting new leads and new information and right. connecting dots, so that's what we do. We cross t's we dot i's and we make sure our stuff is airtight
2: right and let me tell you this if if there were arrests made today in this case we still wouldn't stop Mm-mm. okay no matter if if arrests get made right now we're still not going to stop we're not going to get off of it until we see it through that's right period and then by see it through i mean some bitch standing in court uh and we get a guilty yes. verdict
3: we have one question on here we start off with this one okay it's from marlene so it's the question is is
2: what led each of you to your careers in law enforcement all right i always wanted to be a cop and i never wanted to be anything else and um dreamed of it i guess since i was a little boy so yeah
3: i'm an adrenaline junkie um so for me when i got an opportunity one i love helping people but then when you can go from completely calm and quiet and then all of a sudden you're just adrenaline is through the roof because the situation just got really hot um i get addicted to those kind of things i also get addicted to investigations and the high that comes with it so uh i just i love that it just gives me that adrenaline it makes me feel good knowing i'm i'm um helping somebody out and i'm working really hard to make it happen but i'm getting that adrenaline spike all at the same time so it's kind of a perfect recipe for me uh but i love it i wouldn't want to do anything else
2: well yeah Part of me wanting to be a cop is I didn't want to sit behind the same desk every day and do the same, punch the same clock, do Mm -hmm. the same thing over and over again. And law enforcement is the greatest show on earth. So many days when I get off in the morning, I feel like I should have to pay them for getting to work there. And the the old saying, uh, famous saying is, what is it? Those men who have hunted armed men long enough soon care for little else. And I, I, I paraphrase for Ernest Hemingway. Uh, um, so look at you 28. Yeah.
3: By the yeah. way, Sarah, I did see your question come across about um, how to be found on Pandora. We'll have somebody send you that information. We'll uh, PM you for that. So
2: what I want to do y'all uh, if, if, um, and Jim, you can read some of those in between here, but I have a, a hundred and something questions. We had already people had submitted mm-hmm. some, the lifers and, uh, and patron members. So let me read a couple of them Let's just to start doing the So
3: I'll, I'll finish these two here. And these would be the last two, okay. which is just Laura and, and Julie. Uh, Laura, um, if we, well, I mean, Woody and I have an idea, uh, a really good idea, but that's nothing that we can release right now. It would be way too and sensitive, sensitive cool. to do so. What's the question? Um, the question was, is do we know who did it or suspect who did it? And you just know, can't tell you we can't. Right now, we just can't dude. tell you that right now. I mean, until you confirm it, there's no way to um, to really be able to be concrete on it. But when we go that direction, you all are going to know.
2: It's been 15 years, and we don't want to do anything to ruin it right now. Um, the other question was from
3: Julie, which had to do with um, have the police. Did they question everybody involved? Did they
2: basically do their due diligence on their job? Okay. Well, let's, uh, that one's in the here also. So we're going to answer the questions that have been submitted. So, uh, and then so when once we get through here, if y'all have some more, yeah, questions, absolutely we have time to we'll certainly do it. Um, first one is Andre Davis Johnson. He says, not necessarily a question, but putting my wish out in the universe, hoping to see Woody Jim, detective Rabelay, and Courtney's amazing family on a panel discussing how they solved who killed Courtney Coco crime con in Orlando in May of 2020.
3: I would love that.
2: <laughs> that would be, you know, it'd be a dream come true. Yeah. For be to be all of us. It, period. But it, it, we're going to be a crime con regardless. And yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll be a headlining with on a panel to do that. Cause it certainly would be worthy. And, and so many people backed up that one, uh, Becky Andre, Amber Salad, Kimberly, uh, Cindy Grady, a bunch of people mm-hmm. uh, all say they hope that w- what happens, but and so do we. Melanie Moore asked a question. Jim says, is there, is there someone higher up, Attorney General, State Rep, State Rep, etc., that Detective Green's handling of the case can be reported to?" Well, the everybody has somebody to have to answer mm-hmm. to eventually, uh, uh, even law enforcement members and whether it's detective green or anybody else that's in official capacity and, and something is found out, which I believe dirty laundry will come out in the end of this, then they're going to have to answer to the powers that be. So, It does, you know. If you're local law enforcement, you could be answering to the state police. If you're state police, you could be answering to the feds, or a combination thereof. The feds have to answer to other feds. So, yeah, the uh, they're going to know whoever's dirty or bad. Mm. They're going to know, and they're going to have to answer for it. So it's all going to come out in the wash. Yeah, and you can you can bet that. The the murder is the first it's thing. The way, it's just the way it goes. The the murderers, The first thing they're going to do is flip on flip on someone else. Especially and get the of time. if it's a dirty if it's a dirty law enforcement. It's the best.
3: basically the only play they have is to uh, at that point is to flip on those on others and hope you can get a lighter sentence. Okay, Elizabeth
2: P. Chalker. She's at, awesome, by the way. Hey, Elizabeth. <laughs> she says this APD. Still have the evidence from Courtney's house, and has it been tested yet? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, the I'm going to honestly tell you that we don't know if they have the evidence yet. Uh, I'd be very shocked uh, if they do, but if they do, that'd be great. I can I can tell you for sure it hasn't been tested. Yeah, no. um, because it, it's a still a homicide for Chambers County Sheriff's Office out of Texas in. We know for a fact that APD told Detective Green specifically, told Detective Rabelais, who was the lead homicide investigator on the case, that there was no evidence taken from Courtney's house. And certainly, if you don't take any evidence, you can't test it. Right. So um, none of that stuff that was taken that we provided you all the list with before has been tested. Right. Um. And Elizabeth says for the 4 a.m. calls made with Courtney's phone, can you t- determine who had those numbers 15 years ago, Jim? That's your department.
3: Um, it takes some. It takes some work. Uh, I need a little bit of assistance on that. There's some some information is still good and accurate with in regards to her phone, but those four o'clock a.m. calls, um, that's just going to you know hopefully be a power of subpoena here soon enough, then to be able to get that access, yeah. to leave that or some some serious digging. Those records don't ever go away. Uh, um, it's just it's been 15 years. Yes. You just don't know what kind of system they had to back it up. It's not like today where you have an iCloud or you have other means of being able to back up mass amounts of storage. Um, then it was different. A lot of those records were kept um maybe, maybe a PDF file, and it's just stored into a massive database. Some of it's printed out. Um, we don't really know. So it just takes time to get to that. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of people back then used what's known as burner phones. Yeah, um, we'll go ahead and right. talk about that. Basically, they they'd go and buy a prepaid phone. And then whenever you um, get caught or someone's getting too close to you, it'll take the phone. You throw it out and you go get another one.
2: Right. Burner, and unfortunately,
3: right. that's what a lot of those uh, phones back then were were used for burner phones for that.
2: OK, so Christian D.R.E.R.U.P. Drup, says the mom mentioned they have the names of the people who were called. Confusing why such obvious leads were never followed up on. I assume Woody and Jim are actively investigating those people now. Christian, mm-hmm. you're absolutely correct.
3: 100,000%. We do not We do not miss anything. We will talk to everyone. Yeah, we are allowed to have access to, period. Right. Everything.
2: Next question is Elizabeth again. Um, She's got a lot in there. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I, I skipped maybe, a couple. Of maybe you before. missed your call. Oh, maybe <laughs> Elizabeth <laughs> should have
3: been a detective, too, because her questions are pretty good.
2: <laughs> yeah, Who was at the domino party? Have they all been interviewed by Woody or Jim or any law enforcement? Mm.
3: Well, it's very sensitive. Yeah. <laughs> a yeah. Very sensitive question, because it's that's uh, one of the links to. One of her last days alive. So, last, um, her last hours or her last alive. Hours alive yeah. So that, that's pretty sensitive to the current and ongoing investigation. So,
2: okay. The y'all told you we'll answer them if we can, and, and we're not going to do anything to jeopardize the investigation. Uh, Julia Gaudet Spielman says, were they able to do a rape kit for DNA? I could tell you that the, they did a, what's called a SANE kit, a sexual assault, uh, no, SANE is for the nurse. The the rape kit, whatever the official term is for it, it was done and nothing was recovered. Okay? I I can tell you that for a fact. Um, That's in the autopsy. So, uh, somebody, Elizabeth says, is Cedric Green originally from Alexandria area? I believe so. I assume so. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh Um, skip over a couple of so,
3: these. Here's, here's a question from Julie James on here. I'm going to yeah. answer this real quick while you look. Um, the question is, is it also seems that or it also seems like the people who were found in their car could have been could have given tons of info were they interrogated. So that would be a good question for Detective Rabelais. Uh, he's not with us.
2: But, um, I can actually but, answer it.
3: Yeah, for-
2: um, they arrested Mm-hmm. The, those people in the in the car and and basically the hood or the barrio in Houston and uh, they had Courtney's cars what we call a crack loaner and the meaning that people will go and stolen vehicles like that and to get rid of them they'll drop it in the hood and leave the keys in the car and that the first person gets it and they'll take it to a drug dealer and say. You know, give me five rocks and you can have this car. You right? can have the so, car for a week. And, and, and that is such a great way to destroy evidence, um, and get the wrong people. But the people that were arrested in the car absolutely have nothing to do with Courtney's murder other than they were found in her car. Okay. And that, that they had some time in that car. I'm sure passed through many hands of the mm-hmm. hood.
3: Detective Rabelais handled that, and he did a tremendous job with it. Um, So, uh, you know, maybe we can ask him later on to speak to that further if needed. But uh, he did a he did an outstanding job on that years ago. Yeah,
2: Detective Rabelais a bomb. He is pretty damn good. Another question from um, Spielman said it was rumored at one time that Courtney was an informant for APD. Any truth to this? uh, If yes, this could have led to her murder. Absolutely no truth to that. Zero, uh, Julia. She was never an informant for APD, period. Correct. Um, is Is it a common practice for law enforcement to slander victims amongst themselves the way Green spoke to Rabelais about Courtney? And if not, what could be his reason for calling her a crackhead to Rabelais? Wow! You want this one? You want me to get it? I mean, you can start it. So,
3: you know, a lot of times in law enforcement, we you know, they just they just speak the what they believe it could be or whatever. Um, I think you know I, I can tell you that Woody and I we try to handle things a lot differently than that. Try to keep everything professional. Um, I don't understand why yeah, he would turn around and make that comment um, to Detective Rabelais. Maybe to. I don't know. Obviously, to from what we can gather at this point, it may be just to discourage him from continuing to investigate as if her life didn't matter. That's the only weird thing that I can think of just because I that's just not how you should handle it. Um, you have a deceased person, you have a family that's suffering. And at the end of the day, you got to handle that with respect and care. Uh, regardless of history, whether somebody was or was not involved with drugs or whatever their life choices were, it doesn't really make a difference. It's still a human being. Yeah, it's, it's still somebody's family member. It's still somebody, somebody that's loved. Which so, which isn't true, um, by the way, it wasn't true, and it's disrespectful. And uh, you know, and another and shame and on you. We've
2: calls, but, on, uh, uh, been sitting in the Texas office, get a call from another mm-hmm. agency saying, well, "When it comes to mind, they said the um, anhydrous ammonia plant had blown up in Washington, Paris. They were stealing the ammonia for meth. And they got a plate leaving the scene and it came back to one of our girls. And she was a frequent flyer. She was mm-hmm. a meth head one year, but I didn't say, well, she's a meth head, da 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 I did say, yeah, uh, yeah, we know her. And, you know, what happened? They said that. And I said, okay, know. Yeah. But it, I didn't slander. Well, why? I, I don't know why the hell you do that. But- and, uh, you know, it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, human being. So I don't know. But um, let's see if I can read this one. Okay. Penny T. Smith says, okay, once Woody and Jim and Rabelais have finished their investigation and have exalted all avenues, how are you guys going to obtain evidence from APD to be tested for DNA since you guys are no longer in law enforcement? Because I assume that the DNA will play a large role in solving this. Just ask them because of the chain of custody, it could not be released to y'all because you're no longer police. Am I right? And also, with another, will another agency step in to make arrests if by chance law enforcement is connected to her murder? Okay, you are a million percent correct, Penny. Mm-hmm. That when we are not law enforcement any longer, which sucks. Our- uh, yeah, <laughs> That's right now, I wish I was. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> but the, the, and so we personally will not be getting any evidence to send to DNA labs, et cetera. But I can promise you this uh, when it reaches that point in the investigation, another agency will be stepping in. And I'm not telling you that it hadn't already reached that point, but when it reaches that point, another agency will be stepping in to do their due diligence. We're going to take it as far as we can take it and certainly turn over anything to the proper authorities that to move the investigation forward. And, uh, yes, I I would, well, I can't say yes. And I want to assume that another agency will step in. I can tell you this, if I'm not giving, we're not giving our information to APD, and uh, um, no, definitely if, not if, if we're gonna give it to someone it's going to be to a higher it's going to be to a, a higher authority higher authority that we
3: know that has the money and has any, the means to be able to investigate the money what needs the to means, be investigated
2: the experience mm-hmm. the integrity yep uh, uh, so it won't be any question about somebody's trying to cover for somebody they work with or anything like that yeah sure and what, they, be, hey, what they hey, they may they may go back down and get APD to work with them, et cetera. Who knows? I, it didn't, but you better believe we're not putting all this work in so somebody uh, that doesn't know what they're doing or doesn't have the integrity to close this investigation out uh, uh, will do it. We
3: have enough law enforcement connections out there to where we can we can hand deliver a package absolutely and uh, feel comfortable and confident that it'll be followed up on and it'll be worked from that point on. So uh, we're when, not stupid. We're when not we going to deliver it.
2: We, we, just like in our careers, mm-hmm. we're not going to deliver junk. Nope. It's going to be on a silver platter, and then they, certainly they uh, they're going to have to, you know, accept it, follow up on things, and and do what they do. And Penny, thank you for that because I I see I told you here I will personally answer this question on Friday. So thanks. John Woodrow. um Woodrow. Okay. Tina Nally. Pennington says, how did her car get to Winnie and when and how was it found? Mm, well, it's a, it's a Tina, little. Tina, Tina, somebody drove it there. Shout out to Astro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. My allergies are throwing my whole morning off. Do I sound different to you? Com. it's faster bro uses directed for relief of nasal congestion runny nose sneezing and itchy nose due
0: to allergies ask the pro and go
2: <laughs> but no, are not trying to make light of it. Uh, the perpetrator or perpetrators drove the vehicle there and they, they dumped Courtney and Winnie and the car was found sometime later and people were arrested in it in Houston, Texas. That's about all we can really say about that right now. And Chris Strupp says, yeah, where, where was the car found? It, it was Houston. found in Houston. Yeah, y'all, that information is on that uh, private patron page. In uh, we scanned that in, so if I you want to go uh, there and look at it. Right?
3: Think Detective Rabley, say Fifth Ward of Houston, yeah, right. which is pretty pretty bad right.
2: area or really rough, if you will. All right. uh, Sarah Craig says, can Louisiana, Louisiana State Police or the DA – Take control if y'all can't get the evidence. Absolutely. And we're counting on it. Right?
3: Absolutely. We, you know, once we cross T's, dot the I's, and hand deliver a nice package to them, hopefully it's enough for them to uh, be able to go from there, if that's where the direction we go at that time.
2: Right. And y'all, we're not telling you that we hadn't already done these things already. We're just telling you we can't say. So, Ray N is the middle initial last name Nikki says I have a comment and I have to say it's because it is really bothering me exclamation. I don't know why they are trying to make Coco out to be some drug head because all capitals, she definitely was not. The overdose assumption is pure bullshit. She was definitely not a dope head. I know that for a fact. Now, on the other hand, some of the people she chose to surround herself with during the end of her life were not good people. And, yes, many of them. Sorry, somebody's booping in. And yes, many of them were on drugs or sold them. Coco was an amazingly sweet soul. I wish she never would have got involved with the wrong crowd. Hashtag justice for Coco. Go ahead, John. No, you hey, hey, Ray Nikki. The, I mean, I I totally agree with you, and and I um, I I know she was wrong around the wrong people, um, but she was an amazing person, y'all, and and she was a nineteen-year-old girl. Yeah, she had a lot of life to live. The Mm -hmm. I mean, when I was nineteen, you know, I wasn't making the best decisions either, right? And and uh, so that doesn't give someone a right she, to murder someone. But she is a- she's not a crackhead or full blown dope head or whatever. She is a daughter, a cousin, mm-hmm. uh, a niece mm-hmm. and a friend. And she, uh, they, the, I heard one of the family members or one of the family members told me she j- just didn't judge people. She just loved everybody she met and, you know, in with the wrong crowd. I
3: think everybody in their teenage years or even in their, you know, very beginning of the early 20s, everybody at some point or another encounters the wrong crowd of people. She unfortunately was around the wrong crowd of people for a short time, but she was a beautiful 19 year old girl. And as far as the overdose thing is concerned, um, I don't know many overdoses where a body ends up across the state line what,
2: you know it makes no sense and, at all and, and nude from the waist down with the legs yeah, exactly and, and the next question is from jessica herring and she says ray he's answering ray nick he says every time i hear the od story i think to myself well who gives a shit if she did it or didn't it's still a homicide according to the coroner and jessica herring you're right on time sweetie. Mm-hmm. right on time it's a, it is a homicide investigation period. You got any questions you want to read while I read this next
3: one? Um, I don't see any on here right okay. now. I mean, there. if I scroll up, it would be.
2: All right. So the uh, Heather P O P L A I says, Jessica, I think it, it, the exact same thing, girl. I'm like, why are we even talking about it? Who cares if she was? I realize to the family and friends, it does matter because of her memory. But for the investigation, I just don't even know why it matters. Is a crackhead's life less important than anyone else's? Also, I've known some crackheads and they did not hold a job, have their own home, or host any kind of dominoes night at their house. They are more of a a, the couch surfing type, negative bank balance, in and out of custody, etc., the story we have doesn't fit that dope head profile. I'll never believe that about her.
3: At the end of the day, you know, toxicology screens, known toxicology screens. What if she was or was not involved towards the end of the day, the corner determined it was a homicide and that's exactly what it is. And that's how we're moving forward. That's it. Period.
2: Yeah. And, and I'm definitely not a crackhead. No, um, Melanie Moore says, all these years later, is it possible to find out where the phone was when those 4 a.m. calls were made? If the person interested reportedly had it and it pings towers in Texas or on the way to Texas, that should be significant. Melanie Moore, you're correct. Uh, I'd I would like to say... 100 percent certain that they can still go back and pull that. information. If they still
3: have the information, then yeah,
2: we can still we can still figure it out. We can still triangulate but it. Sometimes stuff gets lost. Y'all, and while we're talking about this day, I, I know of a certain law enforcement agency uh, that has no 911 calls. Uh, I think since before 2014, because the system blew up or something. I don't know. So sometimes those things happen, but I doubt that. That's it's a major company. So um, a, you better believe it's going to be looked at.
3: Uh, one of the questions on here has to do with, Are we is APD helping us out at this time? <laughs> um, APD had an opportunity to speak with us already and chose not to uh, return the call. Um, well, actually, so, they, they said they were going
2: to meet. With they said they were going to meet. Numerous times. And, and, and they and never it, did. It kept getting delayed and uh, we never even got a call back so, other than one text. To um, answer your question on that, Nope.
3: And um as far as your second question in regards to uh have we spoken to Green? Uh no. Yeah. I haven't. I yeah. don't think he would yeah. talk to us anyway. Yeah. And honestly, at the to. way he's botched this investigation, I don't even want his his name coming out of my mouth because I don't yeah. I, I I I just I don't I have nothing. any respect for that. I got I'm got sorry. To
2: say to him. I, Suck
3: at life. It is I, what it is.
2: I, I, I wouldn't uh, ask him a question if he was standing in front of me. The um She's got nothing for him. So the. um, How old this is from Allie Blackman? How old was that friend's child? And would it be possible to talk to them and see if they remember anything? Uh Why were the check? Well, let's answer that first. The. It's possible. Allie actually had a four year old pick out her mother's murderer out of, a, of what we call a six pack on a lineup of one of the cases. And Jim, I think, you know, which one I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And, and so, but after 15 years, I don't know, but the, uh, I'm sure that'll be handled. And the second part is why was the checks being used, not looked into further. And is it possible to do so the checks y'all, if you don't know about it and you hadn't seen it in the patron page, we hadn't discussed it. um, I think about a year after Courtney's murder, some checks were written off her account in Houston to pay some electricity bills. And um fortunately, the, unfortunately the electricity company just wrote it off because it's cheaper. I think it was $600. it's $600. It's cheaper to, to write it off than to go it through off, litigation on the it. bank, wrote it off and then to try to dig into it. But certainly detective Bradley and them looked into it and it, nothing there that uh, they, the, the, the people, um, those people had nothing to do with the direct murder of Courtney. Now you remember her car was in the hood and in, in that area of Texas for you know, like a week. So, you know, all right. Um, This is. A, I'm just going to read this because y'all put it out there. Penny Smith says, this is not a question, just a comment. I just have to say it. Excuse my language, but I want the sorry motherfucking murdering bastards that are so nervous right now because they know y'all are close to the answers and they are screwed because for 15 years they've been walking around and thinking they got away with it. I hope they're shitting themselves daily, waiting for the ball to drop because it is.
3: Oh, I guarantee you, they're feeling the heat. Love, your statement, <laughs> I guarantee Penny. it, Penny, I Love, your great statement. statement, Penny. Spot yeah. on, spot
2: on assessment. That's the same thing I want to say, Penny. I, I'm trying not to curse so much now, but I want them to be afraid, just like you. I want them. I want them to finally. After 15 years, would be looking over their shoulder, waiting for their door to get kicked in, waiting for the cuffs to go on. That uh, I'm, I guess I'm a kind of, I mean, angry. I just oh. want retribution. And I want them to sweat, man, and um, they're not going to get away with it. Period.
3: Tori had a good question on here. It says on the way to Texas, would they, would the perps? had have a chance to stop for gas at some point possibly caught on camera um i would assume yes at some point but we're talking 15 years ago so um the most of those back then either had a videotape that would record or they had a digital recorder when they were first coming out which would only um record for probably about 15 to maybe 30 days before yeah, it re- they, they re-recorded all- over itself so it's an extremely small chance um that anybody would have a tape back at that time as far as i know uh, there hasn't been any tapes collected right. so um and and you know it's about it's something dro- we would have followed up on 15 years ago if sure. we were on this case without a doubt sure. but
2: and, and i drove that route y'all mm-hmm. the last week from detective Bravely's house to alexandra you could probably make it on a tank of gas but there's no way in hell there's going to be a video tape or anything after 15 years we can't I mean, we worked murder and Popeyes and the cameras didn't even work. Yeah. Most, and that most was community as, community. as it happened. Right. Most, most, um uh, convenience stores, cameras, even to this day, don't even work. And then if they do work, they loop over after the longest one I've seen is 29 days and they automatically re record over mm-hmm. it. Even on the digital stuff, they don't, they don't have the space to store it.
3: Penny, we curse a lot
2: too. So candy. Dakota P O S P I S I L, candy asks was the actual cause of death ever mentioned in the candy on the autopsy report? Uh, Mandy, D I C U S backs her up and says, "Right, I don't think I ever heard." the podcast what the coroner stated the cause of death was. My husband Googled it and said strangulation. Can you please give more t- details about the coroner's full report? Sure. I'm going to do that. It's also on the patron page with the full autopsy. It's on there. Um, the cause of death is officially listed as a homicide, which means an illegal taking of Courtney's life. The, as far as being able to give the actual determination couldn't do it the um it's it's suspected it may have been asphyxiation mm-hmm. smothering um the you can you can choke somebody to death without breaking the the bone in the neck that's so sensitive her bone was not broken uh, so at, they were thinking that it was asphyxiation, but couldn't couldn't prove it a hundred percent. She had been down or down. She had the decomposition on Courtney's body was pretty advanced, uh, um, which is consistent with her being in the trunk, a hot trunk for a couple of days. And so that, of course, hinders the, the all tops to Big begin. Time. That's all on the patron page. The, um, but it's still a homicide. That's all. Homicide, period. Um, and Megan Hester Miller says, I don't understand how they couldn't know for sure if it was asphyxia. Thought that was a point of doing an autopsy. I'm not a coroner, obviously, but I work in the hospital and have known results to determine if someone died of suffocation versus aspiration, et cetera. Just cu- curious because I feel totally invested. I do need to completely catch up with the last podcast. Sir.
3: The difference is though, between a hospital setting is this and no, no disrespect because I totally appreciate everything that you do in the hospital. Believe me. Um, this body was a few days decomposed. So, um, when composite, when that starts happening, um, you start losing the ability to be able to find out exactly what it was that had happened. Whereas in a hospital setting, usually it's within a short time frame that they came to you. Um, uh, well, if they're transported, or if they had already passed, it's usually you know the body isn't um, hasn't gone through that de-
2: uh, been decomposed or anything like that. And, and and not only that would be the only is difference. it not uh, Courtney? It was several days, but the problem with that is it was made much much worse because she was in the trunk of a car and it was still hot. Now, if it's hot outside, y'all know when you get in your car how hot it is inside the car. Well, it's much hotter than that inside of a trunk. And uh, so that's why when the Tex arrived on the scene and uh, he called Green and, you know, they found out she had only been missing for three days. That almost didn't fit because, and this is going to be hard for family to hear, but I mean, it is what it is. That because of the advanced state of decomposition and it, the, her, her body was further along, was further advanced. For three days. It may it look setting. like a, a, a week versus three days, or you know, mm-hmm. I, I, best analogy I could give. So it really, really screws up the evidence. In the autopsy, I mean, you talk about maybe there should have been petechial hemorrhaging, right? Uh, for strangulation, even if the neck bone wasn't broken, after that far uh, being in the trunk and that kind of heat, you can't tell. Um, but I mean, the the pathologist that did it did a hell of a job. Um, but it, he can only put down what he right. what he can see. So, I mean, as a forensics pathologist, so. You All right, so Melissa stuff. Pomeroy. she's <laughs> Melissa Pomeroy wants to know on a scale from one to 10, how happy is Jim in his relationship? And I said, I answered, I said, Melissa Pomeroy, you're so silly and trouble. One of my favorite, but one of my favorite lifers that makes me smile. And she, she's always cutting up the, um, and she answered me and says, sometimes pressure gets a bit much. Laughter can release some of the stress. And you're right, sweetie. The, um, this, but she follows it up with an actual question that says, also, how does the chain of custody work? So. Chain of custody. So there's there's multiple
3: ways to do this, but typically, um, almost like we had tried to tell you guys before, when you're on a scene, and let's just say you go with uh, a body, right? And we put that body into a body bag. We photograph it. Once you put it in a body bag, you zip it up. Well, you're going to
2: use a. Once you arrive on the scene, right? It, it, and uh, you, it's yours. You take the chain of custody starts there. Okay? Right,
3: it starts there, but. You know, when you're going to document what time that body was in the bag, what time you took a photo of the seal, that it was sealed, what time that they left to go to the coroner's office, um, you know, everything is documented. And that's kind of the chain of custody. You really don't do anything with any of the evidence without loading, documenting it. Uh, like another example would be um, in this particular case, and I'm just going to give it because it's just a fact of life. Um, when they went to retest the blood. OK, um, if they got that through Texas um, state, their crime lab, um, they would have had to have pulled out whatever files they had, whatever information they had in, re- in regards to uh, the blood work. And they would have had to fill out a form, maybe even take a picture of them actually doing it, documenting it. So let's just say there was five mls worth of blood and they took out two and a half mls so they need to document exactly how much they took out how much is still remaining who took it out what time they took it out signed it witnessed it and that way you know and that way there's you constantly have that chain of custody you know then this blood went from this location to this locate to another location that's all documented and then it's the same way when it comes back to you if if let's just say blood's returned to that evidence collector they need to do the same thing i put it in another tube um, whatever the case might be, that's what we mean by chain of custody. It's it's completely documented from start to finish. And
2: once you take a piece of evidence into your custody, whether you arrive on a scene and it's a body down, and you visually are looking at it and say, "Okay, this is my scene," and that's you're the first link in the chain, mm-hmm. right? And then you send it in. Uh, let's say let's say I arrived on the scene and worked in Jim and our partners. And this happened on cases uh, on state ground or, Mm -hmm. or the guy won the bottle up his ass. Uh, (laughs) Thanks for the visual. Anyway, Jim went to those autopsies. I didn't. Right. So Mm -hmm. the, the, when he takes it out, the body out, or they take it out at the autopsy, that's the next link in the chain. It has to be documented. Correct. And every time that piece of evidence moves, From one person's hands, whether let's say they put it in the evidence locker, that's evidence locker technician is the next chain of custody. So it's a chain, and the uh, the chain can't be broken without it being documented because defense attorneys will have a field day. Absolutely. All right. Um, Was the car returned here? Was the car returned here to Louisiana? And who is in possession of the car now? And if no one has the car, was DNA taken from the car and preserved so that it could be tested? The car uh, was originally taken in possession and tested thoroughly at the Texas State Police Crime Lab in Houston. The Miss Stephanie, the mom, didn't want the car back, and and so after that, I mean, and I can't blame her, right? But the, um, her personal items were returned to the family in the car. I mean, I don't know if, if the bank took it back or they sold it. Um, I'm not it, sure what happened with well, that. It might even yeah. still be in
3: state custody. Well, they didn't, they, I don't know what they're going to do with it all I, these years. But yeah. It, the, so
2: it's not back in Louisiana.
3: Usually in at house. some point it's released or it's crushed. It's really up to the
2: to the family what they want to do yeah, with it. Yeah, it was a pretty new car though. So I'm, I'm, maybe the bank got it back, sold it at auction, but that's all mm-hmm. speculation. But. So, um, <laughs> Devin Dalzart says, Penny T. Smith, do you write all your questions down to remember them? I have so many questions while I'm listening, but I can't remember shit now. <laughs> I get that, Devin. So, and, um, uh, Penny answers or anyways, Penny says, no, girl, I have a million more. I can't remember. I have so many, but all these questions are awesome and can't wait to get as many answers as possible because for investigative purposes, I know they will not be able to answer all of them. Correct. You're right. And thank you all for the questions. They are awesome. And, and Jolie, uh, Spielman says, I feel you. I have 15 years of questions. And yeah, Jolie, the family does also, right. Um, Michael Ferris guy says, can the FBI take over this case because of police negligence and because it crosses state lines?
3: They could. They could if we took the package to them and asked them to look into it. And that's something that they wanted to do. Uh, They absolutely could
2: if they wanted to. They're the feds. And and we're not telling y'all that we haven't done that already. Okay. Uh, So Kelly McComber says the same thing. This is my question to cross the state lines. Um, Seems like it's been established. Etc. And Casey, all good. Follows that up about crossing state lines. All right. So let's see. Beverly Jimison Mooney says, "I'm glad I waited. Y'all are all asking the same things I was going to ask in the podcast before the first one." Woody said something about someone else being a cold case that tied into this one. Possibly they ran in the same group, etc anything become of that one and will it help this case to be solved? That is a really good question. Really good question. Uh, Jim? So that
3: particular case you're talking about has come up numerous times throughout this. Um, I think there's some similarities and there's some links, uh, but I, I'm going to go out and say that I, I believe that I don't think the two are actually connected.
2: Um, but the I can tell you this, Courtney, they were so such close friends that Courtney had her obituary, the, the other lady's obituary, in mm-hmm. the trunk of her car, cut out. There was newspapers back then, right? So, um, And they were like a month and a half between the deaths, and the other girl was dumped off the side. It was of, about six weeks at, at most yeah, between exactly. the two. And they were friends. Um, Jim's had gotten information. We talked to people that saw them together and uh, numerous places, et cetera. So there's always a possibility.
3: But um, I think in this particular case, I I just don't think that there's an actual link. I'm not saying that 100% certainty that there isn't. But from what we've been able to gather at this point, um, but the information that has come in on the other case has been very interesting and documented very well. And that's something that we're, we're going to keep an eye on as yeah, well. But I mean, we did get never, some good never, information on that.
2: and right
1: um, At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day.
0: Call com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We will get there. And <clears throat> um, next one's Ray Nick says, I wish someone could or would organize something here local in Alexandria in remembrance of Coco. The turnout I believe would be tremendous and might give this more coverage. Just a thought. I'm stuck in the hospital at the moment, 36 weeks pregnant with blood pressure issues, bed bound. So I have been reading all day and trying to think of ways to honor Coco and her amazing family and make sure the word gets out to locals. Woody and Jim Rappin, RLC, are doing fantastic work. Can't wear, can't wait to wear my pink for Coco Friday. Okay. Well, first of all, Ray, we, we certainly wish you good health. And um, with the pregnancy and everything, right? And the they just had a, a, a vigil for, uh, the, I think it's called the National Day of Remembrance, et cetera, uh, like two weeks ago when I was in Alexandria. And Courtney's mom actually organizes the whole thing. Um, but I'm hoping that, I'm hoping that one day soon we'll get, you know, we'll be able to do something. Um, how should I say it? Something. Uh, I'm, you know what? I'm hoping this case is going to be solved one day soon. And then we'll we'll certainly do something big. Oh, right? yeah! And, and and you better believe there'll be coverage. But um, anyway, thanks for saying we're doing a good job. We appreciate you. And we're wearing Jim's wearing his pink, and I'm wearing my red. That's right. And a lot of lifers posted out today, y'all. And we appreciate that, y'all. Wearing it for Courtney. All right, that's another question. Well, I, I need to read this. Karen uh, Lieber says the timeline is my main confusion. I want much more info about those four a.m. calls. What proof do we have that the PO, the person of interest, really? made those calls except the unreliable word of Detective Green. Can we get info on the location? Can we find out whose numbers were called? Do we think the person of interest and Courtney were together at 4 a.m.? Was the phone found in Courtney's house? How can you get the DNA test at Cigarette, Butts, Beer, Cans, Domino, et cetera, assuming soon, soon they still have them without links to the PD? I think we are pretty much already covered all that, y'all. Um, the The phone you're right with detective green is the one that said the person of interest had the phone. So uh, other than that, you know, I'm sure they're going to be looking into it in the DNA stuff. Uh, if, if that, if I don't want to say that, cause I mean, somebody go put dominoes and cigarette butts or whatever. in Dr. Pepper cans and the evidence now, but the, um, if that, Stuff is there. I'll be a fucking monkey's uncle. I'm just gonna say that after 15 years, if you if you don't tell the the lead detective on the case that you have it, then I don't see why in the hell you turn in evidence. I pray it's there. I really do. I pray they took a videotape of that crime scene when they worked oh, it, wish. and I pray that's there. And I pray that anybody that had ill will or negligence or whatever you want to call it that doesn't have access to destroy it, but We've gotten some information that that's Ooh, yeah. probably otherwise. Absolutely. But somebody's going to have
3: to answer. We've got some juice. You know, have yeah. you know, no idea. Yeah. Um, Tori writes on here, uh, if we could get Google on board, would you consider selling your voice? Well, you know, Tori, I'm so glad that you mentioned that about my voice today. Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> just kidding. Would you sell your voice to Google? The, um, I don't know. I'm going to keep it on. <laughs> uh it like the siri type thing answers? be great if you're on
3: like a gps and you <laughs> mass your turn your sugar's turned into shit that's funny. turn
2: around that's funny uh, ran, ran like a little bitch huh <laughs> uh, well i'll sell my voice to google if jim does a, a workout video <laughs> <laughs> and we can split uh, there you go <laughs> All that's right. great great question thank you sweetie um All right, whatever. Have um, I agree, Julie? I got to answer. I am not going to answer that one. Green
3: doesn't deserve to be called a detective. Spot on. I think the only thing he's ever solved is where is Waldo on a on a life cereal box. Is he sure to know what the hell he's doing in this one? Yeah.
2: A lot of these, y'all are. I am reading, scrolling through. I am reading for the first time, and it's the same things we've already answered. Um. You know, about how we'll push it forward if green's dirty and stuff like that and of course we're gonna we, we're we not saying he is or he isn't but you know whatever the we're not giving our work up to somebody that's not gonna do the job how about I answer it like that Um, some of these I just can't answer
3: some of them are sensitive in nature so it's not that we I mean, trust me. At some point, we'd love to be able to answer everything, but right now, there's a lot of information, a lot of questions that are coming that are just super right. sensitive. So you guys are thinking on the right on the right path, but
2: uh, yeah, one day we will
3: be able to answer everything. And we'll Amy, be able. those those questions are good, but they're pretty close.
2: Okay. This one says it was mentioned there was no trauma to the victim's body. This means she was not sexually assaulted, despite the lack of clothing position of legs um no evidence you're right no evidence of her being sexually assaulted the lack of clothing and position of legs there's a couple of different theories on that mm-hmm. um and from degrading her uh, for shock value to hurt the family which certainly it does every day to leaving messages to other people or whatever but can't really speculate it uh but i can tell you that the Autopsy says she was not sexually assaulted. Avery Thiel says, Is Cedric Green now APD's deputy chief? If he is, Lord have mercy. (laughs) I agree, Avery. We agree. We won't speak to his current position. Yeah,
3: exactly. Um,
2: Oh, man. Um, Angela Stroud, since her case is opened back up, who is handling it? Is it still with APD only or as RPSO officially taking it over. All I can tell you about those two, uh, Angel, is that we know on RPSO website, her case was taken from being listed as cold to active current investigation. So I would assume that RPSO is doing something since they moved to that position. But I, I, can, I can tell you that the they're not, well, I can't tell
3: you that. At the end of the day, there's three people working on it. Woody, myself, and Detective Rabelais. That you can guarantee. Anything outside of that? No clue.
2: Yeah. Except for what we do with it. Oh, yeah. And we can't tell you about that. So, um, when is Friday? When when Friday is the hotline hotline episode? Elizabeth will be as soon as I can get home and get my wife to put it on the... um, Lipson and great, great blah 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 um all right Melissa Love Woody and Jim what advice would you give a young person aspiring to be in law enforcement during this time of distrust against law enforcement officers shit mm.
3: that's <laughs> a good question uh, you know I think if you if you believe in something and you have it in your heart you go for it and you know you go into it with the idea of being able to to help your community. I mean that's what people get into this for. Maybe you have a tremendous idea and a tremendous way to connect the community together um you know because that's that's what it's all about. I think there's a there's a distrust, but the distrust comes from uh misinformation and you know I just think it's critically important and I to speak to that i just i just think it's critically important that Law enforcement goes to those areas that are uh, underprivileged, so to speak, and build relationships. You don't have to go in there to arrest people, but you can most certainly go in there and talk to people. They're still human beings. And I think you build the trust that way. And that's, I mean, that's what it's all about. It's community oriented police. That's,
2: that's policing. how we used to do it. Mm-hmm. We, we knew. I, I would get out I'm talking about in uniform patrol, and then in Texas also, but I would get out uh, in certain problem areas mm-hmm. and literally get out. If they had a, a bonfire going, uh, uh, hanging around in the trash barrel, well, what I'd, I'd go go hang out and talk. Absolutely, some. they knew that I wasn't going to do. Now I probably arrested half of them. Sometimes <laughs> when you get out to go walk up, half of them take off running, you know, and that's okay too. But the, they knew I wasn't going to harass them for uh,
3: no reason. There's there's two. Uh, I'll, I'll keep it. I'll keep it short. Um, to answer your question, to finalize it. If you believe it in your heart and you and you feel that something you want to do you absolutely go for it and you fulfill those dreams and you come up with a way to inspire others to to do what you do and find that missing link and bring the community together <laughs> two stories real quick on what i was talking about earlier um when it comes to you know policing up your community but treating people fairly and right I used to patrol in a really bad area and i would go in there and um I would always – I don't know. I like to eat, so it is what it is. But I knew if I was going to go through there, I knew this one guy was always working outside, and he was always busting his butt. So I used to bring cheeseburgers. And uh, I would literally just pull up, and he and I would eat a cheeseburger, too, and just talk. We didn't talk right. anything at all about my job whatsoever or his. We just had conversations. Right. And every time I went rolling through there, he'd wave to me. I'd wave to him. I'd say hello. And we built a relationship. Well, sure enough, one day there was a really bad crime that happened. Who do you think gave me the information? Because he trusted me.
2: That's right.
3: Where you don't typically get information in there, but he believed in me. He knew I would do it right. And I did. And that's what it's all about. You know, um, another guy that I dealt with all the time would always run from other law enforcement. He probably ran from you one sometime or another. He always had owed back child support. And it, and it wasn't that he didn't make the efforts. He had to work jobs for cash. He would pay what he could. So if he owed 500, but could only pay 300, he'd pay his 300 but now it's $200 on the hole. And so eventually a warrant would get cut for him and you know, he'd have to go to jail. Well, I used to talk to him like a human being all the time. So when he saw me come through and he knew he didn't run from me, he literally was like, Mr. Jim, I really, I, another one, I got to go back again. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and he'd let me put the handcuffs on him. Didn't fight, didn't resist. We talked the whole way there. He guy would get out. He would bust his butt to try to get caught up on that child support again. Um, you know, it's just an unfortunate situation for him, but he didn't run. He didn't fight. Right. It's all about building that trust and building that relationship.
2: Yeah. And it, I, I've had people um, from the uniform patrol days when we had murders down in certain areas. One time we actually arrested the wrong guy uh, off eyewitness testimony and another one, the people who I was cool with. And I'd arrest him for it, but mm-hmm. I treat him professional and we were cool. Most people – most of the people I arrested and take to jail, by the time I get done booking them, they tell me, thank you. And we're shaking mm-hmm. hands, right? I mean, you don't have to beat on everybody. The, uh, but anyway, we got a call in from a guy that I arrested. And he said, hey, he, they used to call me the wolf on the street. And he said, "Wolf, you need to come down here, I need to talk to you. And... Uh, so I went down and he said, hey, you got the wrong dude. He said, you need to go talk to this guy because he's been crying the whole time since it happened, et cetera, and he was right. We brought him in for a polygraph and got the confession and went ahead to let the other guy go. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's good and bad in every profession, y'all. Young guys out there, I don't know how the hell you do it. The difference between what uh, today and back then is everybody has a camera nowadays. And, and like Jim said, it's – the videos that come out of the beatings and stuff like that—they're—they're they're, a lot of the time they're cut down, and you don't get to see the whole the whole thing. That yeah, transpired. you don't get to see the five six minutes before. I, it. I get called. I'm a, I'm certified as an expert witness in federal court in law enforcement matters, and I've been called in on several of these national wide cases where the police allegedly used too much force, et cetera. And, and you know, if they don't have the whole video, they just want to show me the tech. i won't to go. I don't care how much money they pay me. I want to see the whole thing. And, but I mean, you know, it's an honorable profession and you really have to have some balls to do it nowadays. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's unfortunate. The culture is the way that it is, but Good it's, people it's try that to because do. the media portrays it that way. Follow your dreams. So you got any questions on there
3: I'm um, there's on one this. here for you uh, let's see how did you end up on Courtney's case like someone told
2: um, Courtney's mom about y'all yeah I had a, um, a friend through Facebook a couple of years ago and she knew that I've retired from law enforcement and she knew about my career and she's actually a family member and um, of Courtney's and she told Miss Stephanie about me a the, uh, the couple of years ago and, and Miss Stephanie called and we talked about it. And I said, you know what, next time I'm swinging through Alexandria, I'll stop by and read the case file or get the case file and read it. And that's when she went in and told, uh, detective Isles that she was going to bring me in on the case and they talked about it. And that's sh- shortly thereafter. The, the blood allegedly was retested, whatever the second toxicology and all that comes out. But that's how, um, a family friend, uh, a relative of Courtney's and Stephanie's had reached out to me and told me about the case. And then she put me in touch with Miss Stephanie.
3: (laughs) Uh, there's one for me, Jim. I want to know your biggest what the fuck moment on the streets. Like when you questioned if your job was really worth it. Um, lumber slumber. I'll just leave it at that. I mean, that's just one of those that's where you're like, what? <laughs> Honestly, though, on the street, I've come across so many different things. Um, <laughs> I've had some people try to stab me. I've had a guy on a traffic stop, who would pull a gun out of his, uh, out of his sweater, um, which I didn't even realize that until after. Uh, so I made a traffic stop this one time and there was a bunch of robberies that were going on at night at the convenience stores. Um, not in our area, but a little bit more west of us there in the Baton Rouge city limits. And uh, I stopped this car. It came out of the bad area. Um And it was just one of those moments where you start talking to the driver who was like literally the guy was like six, six Um And the hair in the back of your neck stands up because the radios weren't working too well at that point. Nobody was coming to back me up on that. And the conversation wasn't going well. I mean, I just I just knew it was going to go south very quickly. And the strengths are in numbers. And sometimes in law enforcement, you know, you feel like you can handle everything, but you got to be smart. And that was just one of those times where I just, you know, that the traffic stop wasn't necessarily worth it. And so I gave him his information back and immediately tried calling other people to like, Hey, come over here. We know something's with this. I just knew it. And uh, so I rewound my tape that I had inside my car. And right at the time I was handing him his driver's license back the passenger got out, um, literally pulled a gun out of his uh, front sweater pocket, pulled it out, started coming down with it like this. Saw that I was given the driver's license back, pulled it back, stuffed it back into a sweater, and they took off to Baton Rouge and they end up being the robbery suspects. Yeah, to Baton Rouge, uh, we had, we called everybody out on that one and uh, they got caught and linked them to numerous um, robberies that were going out at in convenience stores and that's where they were headed. Yeah, to so
2: talk about an oh shit moment, right. Yeah, lots of those too many to remember, honestly. The, um, but y'all back to Courtney's case real quick. We are way, way involved. I mm-hmm. can't say anymore. And you better believe we're coming and you better believe we're not putting in all this hard work and effort and time away from our families and everything else to give it up to somebody that's not going to take care of it. Okay. And that's all we can say about that. And when we do that, or if that's been done already or whatever, those people have to have time to do their due diligence and catch up Hmm. and work it and, it's just the way that it is. So, but you know, keep the tips coming in, uh, the calls, the support. Share it outside the page, and you know, again, patron members, thank you so much, and thank uh, you very so much, any supporters. Uh, I we really love all y'all, and 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 I, I, I think one of the things, uh, I'm not gonna go back in that patron is necessary, y'all. It's absolutely necessary to. I mean, not even take the a tenth of the cost for what we got going on. All right, but it it certainly helps, and we appreciate it.
3: Yeah, thank you guys very much. keep Keep on sending in your information. Keep sharing Courtney's story. Um, keep doing everything that you're doing. But we love and appreciate all the support and the wonderful message we get. And uh, we're going to keep working our butts off. You can guarantee that. And we're gonna we're gonna find the answers. A lot of stuff's been uncovered at this point. And when I said it, it's, it's all, it's an inferno right now from what it was just a few weeks ago. Um, people are, are, they're going to be feeling it real soon. Yeah. For real.
2: So, um, y'all, this is time for the podcaster talk. I guess if you would, please go to iTunes, leave us a review. um, continue to like and share our real life real crime friends fans and crew page has blown up i've never seen anything like it uh crazy. 800 new members yesterday or something or I, I don't know how crazy like, but we but, love it
3: so let's keep oh it yeah, going. yeah you love it <laughs> that, that,
2: that, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm doing the podcast thing now and so I'm, I'm trying to say y'all Go to that page. You know, I'm be honest with you. I haven't been to my regular Facebook page in like a month and a half because all I do is go check the crew page because that's where it's all at. Even the regular real life real crime page. I think I may have been there once a month because I'm going to the uh, crew page and I try mm-hmm. to answer. I try to answer every post that I can that y'all make or question that you answer. At least give you a thank you comment, et cetera. And I know Jim's doing the same thing, uh, but y'all. That page has just a wealth of information Interviewers our viewers and, and the dream team moderators. Oh my God. Y'all know me, we love you. But if you're not a member of the page, and I know a lot of you aren't even the patron members. I've seen, um, a lot of them become patron, but they're not in the crew page. So I don't know. how We're going to address that. We'll talk to y'all about it now. Go check it out. We have stuff like Karen Ortolano, who's, who's just like a, Research genius posts something I interesting about um, true crime every day, and then every, all the interaction uh, with the crew members and the lifers and stuff. If you if you're not a member of the page, go join it, and then ask other people to join it because if you're not a member of the page, you're missing out. And then, of course, we have the Lanyard page, which it's up in the hundreds now, and that's where. Um, lifers can go to post stuff that's not directly related to the cases. Like we have everything from a cookbook going on to we swap beers and hot sauces and, mm-hmm. uh, Dave McKinnon is a lifer. He, he put, um, it's hilarious. He is fun. He, uh, <laughs> he posts some videos and stuff on there. Like last night he put, he put on bad boys, right? But there's a, there's a place for that. And I think that <laughs> Dave understands it. That's, that's what the lanyard page for and lanyard is a Cajun word, meaning something extra free or bonus. So anything, all your lifers have that you want to do outside. It's not true crime related. Hey, You, if you you got something you make and you want to sell it or whatever, go put it on there. We don't, we don't care. That's you your page. Too, Absolutely. But, um, you're your lifer. We love you. And we appreciate you. Um, So just continue to like us and share us and, Mm -hmm. and support where you can and continue to call the hotline. I don't have the number. I know it's on the website. The, um, but that's it. I guess we're going to wrap it up with this. Yeah.
3: Well, hey, like we appreciate you very much. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thank you for all the tips and all the information. Stay tuned. It's getting hot. It's getting hot. It's getting hot. Bring y'all some, some good info next week,
2: hopefully. Yeah, oh man. Some yeah. updates. Um, love and appreciate each and every one of y'all. And I'm um, Woody Overton. And I'm Jim Rathman. And it's been a pleasure. next time or ever, don't let us catch you down on murder by you. Peace. Peace.
1: Targeted. True Crime, Domestic Violence. We tell stories of those who are targeted by domestic abuse and investigate cases of family violence using academic research to interpret the events. As a college professor, I think we need to stop making family violence a secret. Let's use our stories to help, heal, and provoke change. Season three features the case of Josh Osborne, which is a story of abuse... When he woke up, she was abusing him. When he went to sleep, she was abusing him. So his abuse was nonstop. It didn't matter what he did. It was nonstop. But it is also a story of hope. Targeted. True crime. Domestic violence. Listen to us for free on all of your favorite podcatchers. Peace, my friends. Peace.
2: You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be against you in a court of law. You have the right to an attorney prior to and during questioning. If you can't afford one, the court will point one for you. You understand your rights?